Let's look at the local news. This is Talk of the Town on Magic 590 plus 100.5. We're also heard in the Glens Falls Lake George region on 1410 and 96.9. I'm Bob Cudmore, and our guest today is Sarah Foss, news columnist for the Daily Gazette newspaper. Let's start with a story from uh, Schenectady, city of uh, Schenectady. This uh, came up when uh, Schenectady Mayor Gary McCarthy was a guest on the program a week ago, deteriorating buildings. Although downtown Schenectady is the scene of new construction, some of the older buildings are posing potential hazards, in, uh, at least. The Wedgway Building, or commonly called that, at State and Erie Boulevard, has been the scene of falling bricks and other problems, according to a Daily Gazette uh, news report. And the city has responded to that in, in various ways. But is it known whether business and resident tenants have been uh, prompted by the city to leave the building, Sarah? Uh, there's been an order to vacate issued for the building, but we know that tenants uh, are still in there, that a business, the tattoo parlor, is still operating. I mean, I drive by there in the evenings on my way home from work, and I can look into the building and see that that store is open and that there are people inside. And actually, if you look at the building at night, you can see that there are lights on on the upper floors. And our reporter, you know, Pete DeMola, has observed, you know, people going in and out of the building. And, and you know, talk to some of those tenants about why they aren't leaving. And, you know, some of what he's heard is we don't think the building's really that dangerous. Um, I don't have any place to go. It'll be hard to find a place to take my cats. You know, these types of reasons. Uh, there are reasons why people don't want to leave buildings mm-hmm. at, you know, a moment's notice. And here, this order to vacate was issued before Thanksgiving. And we're almost, you know, well, by the time this airs, we'll have been over two weeks out. So there hasn't been any um, movement, even though at this point I think it's widely known that, yes, there are still people in the building to, you know, compel them to leave, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of force them to go, basically. What makes this uh, probably a a bigger story or concern in Schenectady is, this kind of thing has happened. I mean, tenants not leaving the building and then something really bad happening uh, uh, in the building, like a fire or, or something uh, like that. Right. I think the city thinks this is a different situation because they are in there with codes, officers kind of looking at it. You know, since since Pete wrote that story, you know, they've been in and out of there that, you know, there's eyes on the building in a way uh, there hasn't been with some of these other properties, such as the property on Georgetta Dix Street, where, you know, yes, there's there were nine people who were in there after an order to vacate was issued, and they had to flee a big fire that burned the building down. Um, but, you know, it's like, what does an order to vacate mean when you issue it? Does it mean anything? You know, I think word is out among a lot of people, tenants, just everyday people I talk to in Schenectady, that you can basically ignore these things. And what you kind of have now is a situation where people who comply, I've talked to people, once they realize that, you know, they're in a hotel because they followed the order to vacate, but everybody else is still just living in the building, you know, I think they kind of feel like, well, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Maybe I'm a sucker for actually Mm. doing what the city said. So, you know, we have this one situation with the Wedgeway, people are watching it, but I mean, how many other properties throughout the city aren't getting that kind of scrutiny and people just 
just stay or go back into mm-hmm. them. You know, we don't we don't know, but we have I've heard stories like that. We covered that fire back in March and you know, I've certainly talked to people who they have told me I don't know that I would follow an order to vacate. Again, it was so inconvenient and disruptive and it doesn't seem like I would necessarily suffer any real consequences if I didn't it, mm-hmm. it didn't follow it. But I mean it's a statement that the Bay building is dangerous and it ought to mean something. Like, you know, mm-hmm. if it's not dangerous, lift the order to vacate and yeah. everybody can stay. But what we have is this weird situation where we know people are in there and nothing is being done about it. Let's move to a, a story about the state government down to the capital at Albany, the state budget gap. The state has a budget gap of 4 to $6 billion. How did the state get into this and a mess, if you will, and what can be done about it? Uh, The big cause of it seems to be exploding Medicaid costs, which are tied at least in part to uh, the minimum wage increases that went in and sort of, I think, failing to account for, you know, with these health providers, the state, um, I think they assisted them with meeting those increases and I think failed to take into account how that would cause, you know, the Medicaid costs to to sort of explode. Uh, You know, so what are we going to do about that? you know, Carl Heasty has talked about, he's been careful to use the word raising revenue as opposed to taxes, but it seems like, you know, a tax, at least on very wealthy earners, might be on the table when the legislature um, goes into session. You know, will we see a push for, you know, marijuana legalization again? I mean, we're going to see a whole bunch of things to raise revenue. I mean, one option would be cuts, but I would think the leaders right now are sort of saying, we don't want to, we don't want to do a lot of cuts. And in fact, um, I think the regions just asked for their largest um, increase in foundation aid for schools, you know, ever. So people are coming to the table with big requests. So Mm -hmm. what that means for the budget session when we're facing this deficit, you know, I think it should make it a pretty um, contentious Mm -hmm. session. Now, uh, Carl Hasty, the person you mentioned, he's the Speaker of the Assembly. A lot of people are faulting Governor Cuomo. Are they right to fault the governor? I think so. There's blame to go around, but I think if you look at how um, Governor Cuomo has presented himself, and he's shown that when he wants to, he can sort of come in and be like, we're going to contain our Medicaid costs, and we're going to, you know, control spending, and he's big and sort of uh, touting his property tax cap. And I think he let this kind of uh, get away from him and sort of trying to placate a lot of different constituencies in groups, and I think it's not easy to come into Albany and how you know sustain this kind of fiscally conservative, responsible approach that he has you know prided himself on. And in fairness, when he came into office, they were coming out of um, you know it was the recession; they were dealing with a lot. So mm-hmm. you know that it's a different situation now. But I think you know responsibility generally lies at the top, and this is not an issue I've seen a lot of leadership from the governor on in fact i mean it seems like they've done little budget tricks like bumping you know medicaid expenditures over to the next you know quarter or whatever that they've been doing yeah let's go back to schenectady and talk about snow schenectady had problems clearing side streets and maybe even other places in the big early december snowstorm um you know in a sense you can say well what of that i mean it was a terrible uh, snowstorm uh, schenectady's an older uh, upstate city uh, and they 
typically have problems, or all the cities do. But you were out driving in Schenectady several days after the storm. How bad was it? It wasn't good, and I think, uh, you know, all the cities uh, in the capital region, they face challenges with a storm like that, lots of little streets, narrow streets. But I think, uh, you know, the complaints we heard of people who just didn't see a plow on their street for, you know, two and a half, three days, I, you know, as you know, I live in Albany. You know, it's tough to think of anything really that comparable that you just wouldn't see a plow. That's never happened to me, and I've lived on side streets. It, you know, it's just sort of this when will they ever come uh, resignation that I think you heard more from people in Schenectady, I feel like is not necessarily the experience everybody in the capital region has. And even this weekend when I went out, sure, the streets were plowed, but in some of these side streets, they... Uh, it was like the, a layer of snow had really been packed onto the street, and I'm sure that's mostly melted by now. But I think those long delays in getting to those streets created a situation where people drove on it, the snow got packed down, and there's sort of like this, there was this layer of snow on mm-hmm. some of these side streets when I went through over the weekend when I was in Schenectady. So, I mean, I think one crucial difference between Albany and Schenectady is there is sort of this organizational structure in Albany that is fairly easy to understand where when you get that much snow, you know snow emergency is going to be called. It's, the rules will apply to everyone on every street. Cars will get moved or towed, and then it's over. There's this like mechanism that's easy to understand. In Schenectady, it seems more like this kind of patchwork approach where you might live on a priority street where you have to live on move your car, but then if you're not, it's not really clear exactly what happens. So I just think the mm-hmm. the organization is a bit different, and it you know leads to a system that can be a bit chaotic. Yeah, yeah, you make a you made a point or about the rhetoric involved in the snowstorms with the various cities. Like in Albany, it seems that the city officials are girding for battle. But in Schenectady, when this big storm was coming, it was like the Schenectady officials were saying, "Well, it's going to be bad." Right. And I mean, it's like, you know, and I, I would say, you know, there's hiccups in Albany, but I think if you kind of looked at the news or you're plugged into what's going on in the city, you know, Kathy Sheehan at least tried to approach it with this message like, we are on top of this storm, our trucks are going to be out there, be patient. I think Troy did something similar. You know, I didn't really kind of see that from Schenectady, and what we instead saw, I think, was this sort of belated, we couldn't keep up with the storm type thing. And I mean, I'll concede it was a difficult storm, but I mean, we do live in the Northeast and we should, you know, pride ourselves on on being able to handle a weather event like that. Joining us is Sarah Foss, news columnist for the Daily Gazette newspaper. You wrote a column about former Capital District TV news anchor Ed Daig, uh, focusing on his chronic pain uh, from a disease that he had called ankylosing spondylitis. Uh, can you tell us about that and uh, why that was of particular interest to you? Well, I heard Ed speak about it, and I wrote about uh, his you know, issues with chronic pain and sort of his you know, coming out as an advocate for uh, medical marijuana probably in, I think, 2004. And, you know, that, had, that stuck with me. But as I said in that column... You know, my my husband has that condition, and, it, you know, it's frankly because of Ed that I even knew what it was, anything about it, or, you know, what kind of challenges it might um, pose. But just going back to Ed and his, his kind of uh, 
you know, speaking out in the way he did about his condition and um, why I thought medical marijuana would be a good idea. You know, I think in doing that, especially at a time where that was sort of more a fringe position, mm-hmm. he had, you know, he was a person of stature in the community, and I think he really spoke up and gave voice to kind of the challenges that, just in general, people with chronic pain kind of face. And we don't always hear about that. We don't really always have a face to put to that. And and Ed, you know, I think was was comfortable or became comfortable being that that person that you could sort of identify with this, you know, sort of obscure arthritic condition and kind of the pain that went along with it. And I think that advocacy was valuable. It certainly stayed with with me. And um, of course, he's known for doing the news and all of that. But as his son told me, he did it while dealing with it, you know, sort of a tremendous amount of of pain. And that's not easy to do. And I think it's worth recognizing what he dealt with, and kind of opening our minds to, you know, when other people are dealing with that type of pain, what can we do to make it easier or help them or just build a society that, you know, is a little more comfortable for people who have these kind of, you know, conditions that are painful and, mm-hmm. and hard. Did you know, the- and one thing I'll say is, like, the, the, some of, there's been some advances. So with my husband... There's some medication available mm. to him that wouldn't have been avail- available to Ed Day. Really? So it's not the, it's not a condition that's quite as painful as it would have been for, for Ed Day. being older. In fact, I gathered from your column talking to, or you talked to his uh, uh, members of his family, that he never ended up receiving medical marijuana. He did not. There were some challenges there. I think... You know, had it been uh, legalized, you know, a few years earlier, it might have been easier to get him to a dispensary to take advantage of it. He did get a prescription. It just sounded like, you know, it was late in his life. He was on medication to treat it. Did it make sense to kind of disrupt what he was doing to try um, treating him with medical marijuana at that point when the, you know, everything was so far advanced? Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, just some different questions that arose, yeah. We're talking with Sarah Foss, news columnist for the Daily Gazette. College enrollment. Enrollment has been declining at a number of colleges, as I understand it, but SUNY Schenectady uh, Community College has been especially hard hit. Uh, What did you find accounts for the enrollment drop, and what can uh, SUNY Schenectady or other colleges uh, do about it? You know, I wish I had a better explanation for you about why SUNY Schenectady's enrollment has dropped more than other schools. All community colleges in our area have seen an enrollment drop that's, you know, partially tied to an improving economy. That's when enrollment in community colleges especially tends to decline because people go out in jobs instead of mm-hmm. going back to school to get new skills or learn things. But, you know, as Schenectady, uh, SUNY Schenectady had the steepest decline, and so... What can explain that? It's a bit of a mystery. Um, you know, are they not offering the right programs that student, students want? Have they experimented with new programs, such as their casino management mm-hmm. program, that they thought might, you know, take off and draw in new students? And, uh, you know, that program's now defunct. Basically, interest completely declined and nobody enrolled in it. So that was mm-hmm. a, an attempt to create a new program that would appeal to students that that failed. Um, you know, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a, 
puzzle, mm. basically, is what I would say about it. But, you know, cause for real concern because there's sort of this long-range view that it's going to be challenging for a while because of uh, declining birth rates means there's just there's just going to be fewer students going to college, you know, starting around like maybe 20, 25-ish. Mm-hmm. And students and colleges are going to be fighting to, you know, for a smaller pool of college students. It seems to me, um, and I worked for SUNY years ago, I mean, the central administration, that what SUNY Schenectady was able to do was to offer programs that weren't offered in the area. Hudson Valley is a great community college and attracts a lot of technical students. And they kind of went in more of a humanities way. They emphasized music. They emphasized the uh, cooking programs and so forth. So I presume they're still doing that, but I don't know what else they could do. Right. They, uh, they still do that. I mean, it's, it's a challenging question because I think it's something, uh, all community colleges are dealing with this decline in enrollment. And then to answer the question of like, well, why is it down more at SUNY Schenectady? Uh, you know, someone mentioned to me high rate of course cancellation. That could be an issue. You cancel courses Mm -hmm. because you don't have enough student enrollment, but then it's sort of like a vicious cycle because if you're not offering the courses students want, they're not going to go to your school. They're going to go someplace else where they feel like, you know, the course selection is a little more reliable and they can get what they want. So is that rate of course cancellation higher at SUNY Schenectady than some other local institutions? I mean, that I I can't answer, but it was something that was mentioned Mm -hmm. to me as, you know, perhaps an issue for students Mm -hmm. that, um, you know, didn't, wasn't, hadn't been resolved. Let me ask you about Vince Riggi, longtime independent Vince Riggi, lost his bid for re-election to the Schenectady City Council, which was surprising. It was surprising to me. Uh, right. You talked <laughs> with him. Everybody was surprised. <laughs> yeah. what, what happened there? How, I mean, because he, I think about the previous election, he was the top vote getter. Right. There's a lot of theories. Um, you know, one one, which was sort of, this is sort of my theory, is that, you know, there was not a uh, Republican or independent, there wasn't anyone opposing uh, Gary McCarthy, and he was sort of the big ticket item on the ballot, you know, running for mayor. There wasn't anybody opposing him, and I think some of the people who might have turned out to vote against uh, Mayor McCarthy, they stayed home. They didn't go, and those people probably would have voted for Vince. And think in fact I think his his vote totals among Republicans were were down. Um there that's there's that, there's the ballot placement placement. He was in this weird spot on the ballot where I heard from two or three people that they just did not see him there and they mm-hmm. filled out the four Democrats mm-hmm. and then they were like, Oh, I wanted to vote for Vince. I mean, you know, how much of an impact did that have? You know, it's tough to say, but it certainly couldn't have helped. And then, you know, we're the let's not um, lose sight of the fact that you know maybe the four Democratic candidates were actually decent candidates. Maybe right. you know it's like maybe people felt good about going out and voting for them. At least you know the Democrats, who we know in Schenectady mm-hmm. outnumber Republicans by a large margin. I mean probably felt good about supporting those four people. So Vince is popular, and uh, it was a surprise to everyone. So, you know, it's a bit perplexing, but I think um, he didn't have a lot of help on the ballot or just campaigning. He was out there pounding the pavement, but, you know, he's 
not registered with the party. He's independent. He goes out and does his own thing. I don't think he really got much support. And the Democrats, they are very well organized and very much just a kind of well-oiled machine. And they, you know, have a lot of ability to get foot soldiers out and go knock on doors and do stuff. And Vince is kind of more a one-man operation. Mm -hmm. That probably hurt him, too. You've been listening to Talk of the Town on Magic 590 plus 100.5, also heard in the Glens Falls, Lake George region on 1410 and 96.9. Our guest was Sarah Foss, news columnist for the Daily Gazette newspaper. This program is available as a podcast on albanymagic.com and bobcudmore.com. I'm Bob Cudmore.